The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. You've just heard Club Integral and you're now listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're really excited to have Sarah from Stop Charter Flights who campaign against mass deportation. And she's going to be talking about their work and recent actions. So, hi, Sarah. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Before we talk about any of this incredibly valuable work that you've been doing, I think you had a song choice that you'd like to introduce. Hi, yeah, yeah. I brought along uh, Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. Um, I guess anyone that knows us personally will kind of know that's a bit of a, an internal joke, but also, I guess, just, like, thinking about the recent stuff that's happened in the UK and wider, it's kind of like a change is always going to happen, but maybe we can try and shape the change to be the one we want to see. There's some kind of quote in there, I don't know. Anyways, listen to the tune, Sam says it better. Here it is. That was Sam Cook with A Change Is Gonna Come. As every week, we always claim we're going to have a mini celebration, but it's usually a gripe. So if you've got a mini celebration, you can have one, but a mini gripe or a mini celebration of the week. So um, does anyone want to share anything? A small moan or a mini cheer? I really want to share this because it is a change, but I would say not a positive one. And that I went to a gig yesterday and by the end of the concert, my back was just killing me and I wasn't even carrying like a backpack or even a fanny pack I just had a really really sore back by the end of it so I think I'm old I'm sorry that you know you're shuffling off this um mortal anyway but okay I'm sorry to hear that yeah bad back it's it's a problem what about you Sarah you've had a, a mini gripe recently haven't you yeah I feel like I've had a succession of major and mini gripes but I, I was told to go with mini the mini gripe that uh, Emma told me would be acceptable is that I <laughs> just she's the, base, uh, I'm the, the arbiter. Of, I am of the arbiter of the gripes. I think I've that's fair. This yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that position. So yeah, yesterday I was feeling a bit rubbish about major gripes. I went to buy myself a couple of new jumpers in a celebratory style. Mm-hmm. In the process of doing so, put on one of the new jumpers, which I'm wearing right now. It's very nice. It's lovely. Lovely. <laughs> but we'll in the process later. of that, I managed to lose not only the new jumper I just bought, but also the two older jumpers that I was also wearing at the time. 
All three jumpers lost. How did you lose them? Well, I mean, if I knew that, then they wouldn't be lost. Fair point. <laughs> I, that reminds Very me, because once I was like, oh, I went to Brussels on a little trip with some of my friends, and we went to like this, well, this beer emporium. Anyway, everyone got very drunk, and we lost a bag, or it was stolen, who knows. But we went to report to the police, and we had to like list all the contents of the bag. Mm. And, you know, there were things like a camera, and, you know, like things that were quite valuable. But also, because it had been a cold day, and we were inside, we'd all had about four jumpers each. So we had to sit there and list every single jumper. So there was about 12 jumpers on that list. So I kind of, I know how you feel, sort of, yeah. You know, it puts me in mind of that song, Dancing in the Disco Bumper to Bumper. Hang on a minute, where's me jumper? Oh no, oh no, again the disco bump, to bump Wait a minute, where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? My gripe of the week is that yesterday I had a training session at school um, all about mindfulness and neuroscience relating to that. And we were all put in groups and I was in a group with a head teacher. We were, we were forced to write a rap about different parts of the brain and I had to write Hi. a rap about the amygdala. And amygdala is a very difficult word to rhyme. Okay, so we've kind of done our gripes. And I think maybe we can move on to the main topic of this show, which is maybe also some quite major gripes, although maybe gripe is an inappropriate word. Sarah, at the moment you're campaigning against deportation. Can you tell us a little bit about who is actually being deported? Yeah, so a mixture of people are currently being deported from the UK. So that is people that have had their asylum cases refused, as well as people that have been in the UK for a really long time. So that might be, um, in this campaign, we were particularly um, people that are from, say, countries like Nigeria or Jamaica, Pakistan, Albania, as well as um, more sort of what you might stereotypically think of as refugee-producing countries, such as Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, um, people from those countries. So could you maybe kind of chart the sort of journey that might take place that might end in someone being deported? Yeah, so I guess like, so really the journey starts like within our communities. So um, it'll normally start with like a a raid. So particularly like women, London, like areas that have really been targeted are like areas like Brixton or Peckham, where there's like a lot of um, migrant communities, you know, like well-established Jamaican community in Brixton or like a Nigerian community in Peckham or like you know Pakistani community in Whitechapel for example so those communities will be targeted and immigration enforcement will go and do a succession of raids Um, and we're talking about mass deportations here which is so a a plane will go which is just full of people from one country which is different to like an individual deportation Um, so like yeah particular like nationalities will be targeted so yeah they'll start with a raid and then people will be put into immigration detention centres. There's 10 across the UK, um, but a lot of people will find themselves in the detention centres that are near Heathrow and Gatwick or Yarlswood, which is the infamous women's detention centre in Bedford. Following that, well, some people have an immigration, like a legal situation. Some people, a lot of people no longer uh, qualify for legal aid, therefore cannot like even challenge what's happening. Um, and then following like an indefinite period in immigration detention centre, which is effectively a prison, um, people will be forced onto a plane for a deportation. Could you maybe give us even some, I guess, anonymous examples of the kind of stories of people who've been deported? So I guess it's like for our listeners and for me as well, is it people who are like applying for asylum? Is it people who were born outside of the UK or any, you know, like who are the people who are being deported? What are their stories? Yeah, totally. So like in this particular um, mass deportation that, the Home Office attempted a few weeks ago and that we like took action to prevent happening. You know, just a few days before the deportation, I spoke to um, a Nigerian woman that was held in Yarlswood, which is the women's detention centre. She'd been here for 
10 years, I think. Um, and she is a lesbian and left Nigeria to flee her abusive husband and um, also because she wasn't safe there in terms of like LGBT rights aren't really well respected in that country. Um, so to come to the UK, had been here for a really long time. Um, and then, yeah, they decided that like she was to be deported in this situation. I think actually there was one that I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, okay. but I know that there was a kind of mass deportation back to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And can you maybe tell us a bit about... Yeah, so it's a similar story? kind of situation where it's like not necessarily people that have like claimed asylum. It's much more people that have been in the country for a really long time. So I can't think of an example specifically for the Jamaican charter flight but with the same Nigerian charter flight we were talking about sorry charter flight and mass deportation are the same thing it's just a bit of sort of internal lingo sorry um, for anyone that got confused Um, so yeah I also spoke to somebody that had been in the UK for 19 years and was married to a British woman had British children um, but the, basically the Home Office had told him that he could Skype with his children. It's just in terms of my own understanding of mm. the policy that's going on behind this, what, after 19 years, like, he's got an established life, but what's the reasoning of why that moment they decided to call him up and say, like, now's the time that we have a problem with this? Well, so I guess, like, it, I mean, I don't know how he personally was picked up by the Home mm. Office, so there's, like, various different things. It could have been that they just did a raid and, like, maybe, like, his visa had run out or something. Like, a lot of people, like, don't even realise that, like their visa have ran out because they came here as like children so they just like never really regularized their stay because it wasn't really something that was such like a pressing issue like Mm. you know 15 years ago like that wasn't Mm. something that people really thought about there's like obviously so much like growing pressure around immigration that suddenly there's like much more raids and like you know the home office and the government have kind of said that they want to really reduce Mm. immigration and rather and they're yeah they're using this way of kind of tackling people the, okay. the pressure is political in effect is what you're saying is that there's a yeah i mean i would definitely kind of argue that public pressure for yeah. the government to carry this out and so yeah. it's how that's why it's happening now um i think we have a clip which we're hopefully going to hear in a minute and maybe you can tell us a bit more about that sure i've been here for the past eight months now and uh, i'm not a criminal i didn't do anything i didn't commit any crime just just overstay I have been, uh, I haven't been feeling fine at all. If you, if you see many people, many old people here, many disabled people, they are here. Some of us have been here for the past one year, one year plus. And uh, I still want to talk about this. Every second hand, the chapter flight to Nigeria and Ghana. I don't have anybody back home. I come to parents here, I go to my brothers here. So I've been finding things difficult, difficult Now they give me another class of flights. Okay. They give me tickets for 28. Now I can yes, 28. Charter flights expose the true nature of the state and its borders. It is no wonder that they are kept so secret, away from independent oversight and out of the public sphere. Charter flights entrench imperial state power through repressing dissent and instilling fear into migrant communities. Charter flights are about foreign policy deals between the UK government and its former colonies. Charter flights are about the continued disavowal of black and brown life. Charter flights are violent. Charter flights are racist. Charter flights are inhumane. 
we must see charter flights as a stark reality of what it means to have violent borders. Stop charter flights and end deportations now. So could you tell us a little bit more about that video? And it's part of a series, isn't it? Maybe you can... Sure, yeah. So what you just listened to is the trailer for a three-part film series that Strike magazine have made about um, mass deportations and charter flights. So the first woman that you listen to is a woman that is locked up in Yarlswood, I guess, for anyone that doesn't really know, like Yarlswood is the, like I said before, is the women's detention centre in, um, it's like located in the middle of absolutely nowhere in Bedfordshire. It's actually quite a weird place when you go there because it's like in the middle of the, like an industrial estate. And then you kind of go there and you're like, wow, there's like 300 women locked up in this like industrial estate. It's like, like pretty like surreal experience. I mean, I could talk a lot about detention centres, but I'll just like say a few brief things. For example, like people aren't held on any crimes. Nobody's held because they've broken the law, like literally the people are just detained for what they call is administrative purposes which basically means that people are detained because they're migrants so basically they're just like locked up in a prison because they're yeah an immigrant and um the uk's detention system is like the only one in europe that doesn't have a time limit um and so like what that kind of research like what a few people have said about that is like when you go to prison like you count down the days but when you're in a detention center you count up the days and obviously that has quite like a massive knock-on effect in terms of like your emotional stability in terms of like you never know when you're going to get out so also what kind of conditions are people do people have there like what's it like what kind of support do they get yeah so like basically they're like pretty prison-like really like there's a few the major difference really is that people are allowed to have um, a non-camera mobile phone like that's the biggest difference that i can see between prisons and detention centers is so that like does make quite a big difference in terms of people being able to call families and friends and you know like loved ones etc but like for example like it's interesting that they you're not allowed a camera phone so like why would you not be a you know you're not allowed to film inside there's obviously something that people feel like they need to hide a couple of years ago channel 4 did a um, expose where they actually did get one of their journalists to go in and pretend to work as a guard and did a big expose and it was like on channel 4 at like prime time and yeah there was like serious things around like racist guards and like incidences of like particularly like a pregnant woman being like allowed to miscarry in the detention centre and no health provider was called do you know what I mean? There's a Stonewall report I think in 2014 mm. that was saying that they were there was a detention centre I think in Kent but I might be wrong about that but they were locking up trans detainees because they were under threat of violence and so their plan for that was solitary confinement so yeah. you had people in solitary confinement supposedly for their own protection yeah, not, but yeah. I mean the mental health issues that could be related to that are pretty enormous well yeah I mean it's really similar that that's what they'll do with people who are suicidal mm -hmm. so like say they think that someone's going to be suicidal instead of giving them any care or maybe just releasing them might be an option yeah people will be put into solitary confinement so clearly that will like massively aggravate your already quite like fragile mental health state um so yeah like in the numbers around i mean there's been not going to go on to about it too much but there has been like a series of um suicides like already this year three people have committed suicide in the immigration detention centers in the uk and like the rates of self-harm are just like absolutely off the chain like it's insane like i don't know they're talking about like daily people like seriously self-harming what are your possible options then once you're in there? Like how long, as you say, you, you don't know how long you're going to be in there, but what is the kind of likely amount of time people spend there? Like what can it be from? So it like really, really varies. Like the longest time that someone's ever been detained is like 10 years. But like a lot of people have a much faster turnover than that. But there's like certain statistics around like if you're detained for more than three months, then you're likely to be detained for a year. Does that 
yeah. makes sense. One of the other really massive issues with the situation, and this kind of relates into the deportation situation, is that the government changed the rules around legal aid. So, for example, if you're claiming asylum, you still get legal aid, which means you still have access to a free lawyer. But like, if you have a claim under what's called Article 8, which is like the right to family life, so that would be much more likely if you've got like kids in the UK, but you're from Jamaica, which is not like a refugee-producing country. Therefore, you, basically, there isn't legal aid for any of the other immigration options. So anything yeah. that's under human rights law, they're not offering yeah, legal so aid. so there's no legal aid. So 50% of the people in immigration detention centres are unrepresented, as in okay. they don't have access to a lawyer, therefore they can't actually like challenge the situation that are they're there in. Are there pro bono lawyers um, just kind of doing the rounds? Or I imagine that there are too many cases to keep up. I mean, there are like a few pro bono lawyers, but like mm. they're pretty like gold dust, do you know what I mean? Like they're pretty like tough to find. Um, and so how could we support as non pro bono lawyers in the room? Or how can <laughs> we and how can our listeners support people in detention? Yeah, so I guess there's like various options. Within London, there's a couple of different um, visiting groups that like do visiting. So there's a group based at SOAS, which is a university in central London. So that's called SOAS Detainee Support. So people will visit regularly to, you know, offer emotional support and potentially like help people with their case if that's wanted. Detention action also do a similar thing. Yes, there's those things as well, since we were talking specifically about Yarlswood, and I'll just do a little plug. There is a demonstration actually coming up on the 13th of May, just like in a couple of weeks, if you look up movement for justice, like the details should come up or surround Yarlswood. The demonstration's like incredibly powerful demos. I've never really been on such a powerful demo because you can actually get really, really close to the detention centre and you can literally like see women at the window kind of like waving scarves and there's a lot of like communication and clearly that's very much like um, an empowering and sort of like supportive thing for them to see that they're not you know, because a big thing with this situation is that it's really isolating. Like, you're just totally, like, locked up. They're really far away from, like, cities. So, you know, that really breaks down the isolation and feeling like not everybody in the UK thinks it's OK to, like, lock people up for no time limit just because they're black or brown, basically. And I think because I think we've all been on some of those demos mm. and, like, you know, often people have played phone calls so you phone call but put it on yeah, through like an amplifier or whatever and we've heard people and, and how important it really is in terms of yeah not making them feel alone and making them feel like actually people do care but yeah. also totally. in terms of I mean I find that those the times that they relay those messages are the most powerful parts of the demo because you're hearing a kind of you know, reporting, in a sense, from the inside of someone who's living it at the time. So we've just talked about detention and how that can end in deportation. Mm -hmm. Can you explain maybe a bit more about how the mass deportation or charter flight process works? So there's two kind of roles of deportation. One is like an individual deportation, which is like on a normal, like commercial flight. And then this other mass deportation happens on like What's, it's the reason it's called a charter flight is that it's a privately chartered flight by the government. So it costs millions of pounds. Um, and basically everybody on that flight will be detainees and guards. So like there's no public, like nobody witnessing what happens on those flights. And clearly, you know, like in pretty recent history, like J Jimmy Mabengo was like, you know, killed on a flight, like on a deportation. Like it's obviously a very dangerous situation. So yeah, like a chartered flight will go from, you know, a London, like usually a London-based airport, but like, you know, whatever, an airport. Um, and then people will be deported to, um, you know, whichever location. So historically they were doing like mass deportations to Afghanistan, which like seems like totally insane when you think about it. But, you know, a, certain, a group of lawyers stepped in and stopped that. Um, but they have also talked about starting to do this again to countries like Iraq, you know, which just like I really feel like kind of demonstrates like 
their kind of lack of respect for any kind of like human rights or like justice or whatever, you know. But I guess the big thing, like, uh, you know, the current countries that are really targeted is like Pakistan, Nigeria, Jamaica and Albania. But I think the thing really with that is also just that like these are like people that have lived for a long time in the UK and they're very much like actually like part of our community. But also, I guess I'm wondering, because you're saying it, it costs so much money mm. and are these things also are they like publicly known like is there somewhere where we can find out like when these flights are taking place or is it very much kind of under the kind of cloak of a night you know do we... well i mean yeah exactly yeah so they like happen in the middle of the night like it's not publicly disclosed when the when the flight will be where it's going from yeah it happens like really secretly in the middle of the night and even within that is that like so the people that are due to be deported don't get a ticket for a specific date they get what's given like a 10 day window so anytime within those 10 days they could be deported personally I think like they probably particularly with the mass deportations I think that they definitely do it so that people can't resist you know if you it's an unknown thing like you don't know when that's going to happen so you can't like begin to like prepare yourself or like even like speak to lawyers or like plan to resist that you know like it just happens in the middle of the night and it's kind of sprung upon you and then suddenly you're like bundled into a van and like taken to the airport i do have a fun fact um <laughs> not related to the planes but the detention centers you can actually find out exactly how much they cost by looking on contracts finder which is part of the government website and uh, a recent contract for yarlswood came out and you can see exactly how much it costs for uh, renewal facilities. As well as the kind of mass deportation charge of flights, also mm-hmm. you were saying that sometimes people get put on a I don't know, mainstream or whatever flight. Yeah. And there have been instances of people resisting, yeah, as in yeah, like other passengers have prevented takeoff, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, totally, which is like part of the reason why they do these mass, these like secretive mass deportations in the middle of the night is that actually like a really successful way of like stopping a deportation has been by like the public just generally being like what's going on you know like you get onto a plane and you're going on holiday or whatever and then there's like somebody kind of screaming at the back of the plane and then there's like four guards and you can see that the like person is like chained to the sea and like the you know there's like a potentially like a muzzle on them and like you know passengers have just like stood up and said like this is like disgusting like what's going on um so that's like been really successful and like obviously you know the home office know that and it's also like that's really embarrassing for like these companies that run but whichever like airline company that's kind of embarrassing that they are like compliant in like you know breaching someone's human rights really so what can we do to stop mass deportations (laughs) what can be done um yeah so like we have um got a facebook group which um if you're on facebook and into social media then you can follow us it's stop charter flights hyphen and deportations uh, we also have like a twitter handle and an actual website all of which are the same so i'll, I'll just say it one more time so stop charter flights and deportations um and yeah that trailer that you heard of the strike film earlier like that's going to be premiered on may the 6th in hackney if you're based in london or east london um so yeah details of like that and like future upcoming workshops and things like that will be available on the facebook and is there anything we can do to kind of put pressure on the government or put pressure on airlines? We were like just really amazed by how many people came out and supported us since we like took action in this situation. So we're still like kind of at the planning stages, but like, you know, certainly like things like I'm sure there'll be like petitions going around, like demonstrations. Also just like 
talking within like the community and to like your peers about like what the situation is. Great. Um, I think you chose a song to play us out. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to introduce that. Um, let me just also say thank you so much for coming. And I think it's a really worthy and important cause that we should all get behind. Yeah, just thank you for sharing that with us. And hopefully people can, you know, support the campaign and also listen to people's stories, which I think is also yes. really important. Um, more details on our Twitter account. So that's at VLW Radio. So just to say you've been listening to various women on Resonance 104.4 FM featuring Sarah Hop. Thank you so much for joining us. And do you want to introduce the song? Sure, yeah. Well, thanks so much, everyone, you two and everyone else that's made the radio show possible. I've never done live before. It's quite an exciting thing. Um, So, yeah, this is the Queen of Queens. This is Beyonce with her song called Sorry. And, um, well, I'll just let the song speak for itself, actually. There we go. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.